the last wee while. Uh, we have been looking through a book in the New Testament of the Bible um, called Hebrews. And uh, we've t- the, the series has been called Jesus is Greater because it's been building a picture about just how great Jesus is. And we've reached chapter 12 of that book. Um, and I would like us to do just something slightly different this evening. Um, I've got a wee talk that I've prepared, but it's primarily for the four girls who have been baptized, right? So I'm just seeing where... Have you... We've got two, two still to come down. That's okay, that's okay. So I'm, I'm going to be talking primarily to the four girls who have been baptized, but you guys are free to eavesdrop as, as I share. Um, before I do, watch this clip. So the virgins to make much of time? Yes. One. Somewhat appropriate, isn't it? <laughs> Gather ye rosebuds while ye may. Old time is still a-flying. And this same flower that smiles today, tomorrow will be dying. Thank you, Mr. Pitts. Gather ye rosebuds while ye may. The Latin term for that sentiment is carpe diem. Who knows what that means? Carpe diem. That sees the day. Very good, Mr. Meeks. Meeks. Another unusual name. Seize the day. Gather ye rosebuds while ye may. Why does the writer use these lines? Because he's in a hurry. No. Ding. Thanks for playing anyway. Because we are food for worms, lads. Because believe it or not, each and every one of us in this room is one day going to stop breathing, turn cold, and die. I'd like you to step forward over here and peruse some of the faces from the past. You've walked past them many times. I don't think you've really looked at them. They're not that different from you, are they? Same haircuts full of hormones, just like you. Invincible, just like you feel. The world is their oyster. They believe they're destined for great things, just like many of you. Their eyes are full of hope, just like you. Did they wait until it was too late to make from their lives even one iota of what they were capable? Because you see, gentlemen, these boys are now fertilizing daffodils. But if you listen real close... You can hear them whisper their legacy to you. Go on, lean in. Listen. You hear it? Robin Williams at his finest in that movie, Dead Poet Society. And I love that seize the day. Um, 
And I'd like you just to keep that in your minds um, as we go through this. Um, oh, the other two girls are arriving. Let's give them a big cheer as they come in. <laughs> Woo! Just in time. We've just been talking about how we need to seize the day. Um, and uh, keep that in our, in our minds as as we go and as we look at a few of these verses from Hebrews chapter 12, I'm just going to look at the first two verses um, that say this. Let me just read them all just now. Uh, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. So these verses were written after Jesus rose again, after he was ascended back up to heaven. And these verses were written by the author to encourage the church, a.k.a. you guys, to run the race, to to keep going and to not give up. The author is saying we've got a great cloud of witnesses cheering us on, so we need to run this race. But who? Who are this great audience? Well, we need to look at the previous chapter of Hebrews for that. If you were here last week, Paul was, spe- was, was speaking on Hebrews chapter 11, and he was reading out name after name from Hebrews chapter 11 about people who had faith. It's like a hall of fame. Where's this? Let's test. Let's test one of these girls. Abby, where is it? Well, you weren't even listening. Abby, come on, focus. Where is it? Oh, is it? None of it. You don't know? Emily, it's all up to you. It's all hanging in you. Come on, where? Let's... Awards board, you're close. Wimbledon. Wimbledon, who told you? Who told you? Um, so these guys at Wimbledon, like there's an awards board, a, like a, a, a championship board um, with, with champions of, of tennis. Um, in, in Hebrews chapter 11, it's not champions of tennis that are, are, are listed, but it's champions of faith. People who have gone before us, people like Noah, Abraham, Sarah, uh, Joseph, Moses, Rahab, Gideon, people like that, that are listed in the Old Testament of the Bible who had faith. Um, they are men and women who had faith in God, and and they are cheering us on through their example, through their witness. They are cheering you guys on um, in the race of faith. And the scene that the author is painting is like um, a coliseum. Who's seen Gladiator? Some of you might have seen the film Gladiator that was a, a, a good few years ago now. But it's that picture, although it wasn't Gladiator wrestling that the event is portraying. It's, it's like a, an event, the race. It's a long-distance race where the athletes are, are, are pre- preparing to run a long distance. And the contestants are people of faith, people who believe in God. And the crowd are spiritual 
athletes of faith in, in yesteryear of the path of the past. They are the hall of fame. They are people who have got gold medals because they ran the race before us. And, and just imagine the scene being in a big coliseum, people cheering us on from, from all round. Come on. Come on. You can do it. Run. Run the race. And you look up at the crowd and there's Moses with a fine beard, stroking his beard. You know that nod. You can do it. Come on. And you look and there's Rahab on the other side. And she gives you a wink. Go on. Run. Run. And uh, in fact, lean forwards. You humor me. Lean forwards. Just in your seats, lean forwards. Who's not leaning forwards? Erica, come on, forwards. Alex, you're not. Come on. Okay. Can you hear them? Run. Carpe diem. (laughs) Sorry, I just wanted to copy that moment. Sorry. Uh, Sorry. But they're cheering us on. They're saying, come on. And your hearts are beating. It's not even working on this mic. You can feel it. Your heart beating. You know, the nerves. The nerves. You you want to do well. But how do we do well? Well, girls, four points. Four things I want you to remember. And I'm going to test you afterwards. Abby, are you focusing? Here we go. (laughs) Right, four things. First thing, throw off. Throw off. That's your first point. Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. So that's the first thing we need to do is throw off. Like an athlete before a race takes off his tracksuit and throws it down just with the running gear on before they run the race. Gets gets rid of any excess clothing or any excess jewellery that's going to get in the way. And then the author talks about sin that so easily entangles. Um, Abby, you asked for a a botany lesson. So um, I thought I'd throw this in here. Um, Do you know what plant this is? Does any of you girls know? Anyone know what plant it is? Any botanist? Any... It's not a Venus flytrap. Oh, come on. Oh, yes. It's a sundew. Give that man a cheer. Yes. It's a sundew. Now, the sundew is, you get this all over the world, but particularly, well, this one is from Scotland. And you see the fly there. The fly is enticed by its sweet, the sweet nectar on the, on the, on the sundew plant. And it flies in, and it lands, and it starts to enjoy the sweet nectar. And this is like, this tastes good. This tastes good. Sundews are good. But before long, it's like, oh, oh, it's sticky. Sticky sundew. Naughty sundew. <laughs> this, and and as, it, as, it, as it's... Um, as it sort of moves more, as it starts to, to, to wriggle, it finds that more and more of these kind of um, 
kind of antennae or whatever, whatever they are. Sorry, this is not a botany lesson. Um, but they, they kind of wrap themselves round the fly and start, the more the fly wriggles, the more it finds itself, more of these tentacles are wrapped around the fly. But the fly all the time is still drinking in this nectar. Mm, sundews are still good. They're still good. It's not as bad as I think. It's not as bad until it's completely trapped, completely pinned down, and it can't escape. And the leaf itself eventually folds around the fly. This is a sad story. And it's sucked dry until it opens up again and the wind blows the carcass away. Can we hand out some tissues over here, please? (laughs) But do you see the parallels with sin? The Bible calls sin, it's like a rebellion against God. It's anything, it's it's actually a heart condition. It's this kind of God wants us to live one way, but we want to live the other way. That's sin. It's like doing our own thing. It, it, It works its way out into action. Um, and it entangles us. It, en- it entraps us. What entangles you easily? Girls, what, I'm not going to ask you to share publicly. <laughs> what entangles you easily? What do you find that's, that's enticing and initially might seem enjoyable, but you find it's a trap? Could be envy, looking down, looking at other people, wishing you had what they had. It might be pride. It might be looking down on other people. It might be covetousness. It might be criticism. It might be laziness. It might be hate. There's other, we, I can keep going with a list of sins. It might be lust. It might be porn. It might be gossip. It might be comparison. Whatever the sin is, the author says it needs to be thrown off. We need to let it go. Cure for a song. No, don't. Don't even go there. It must be thrown off. It must be left behind. Let us throw off everything that hinders. It's not just sin, the author is saying. Yeah, we need to throw off sin, but it's everything that hinders. It's not necessarily sinful. It could be something that is otherwise good, but it can weigh you down. It could be a friendship, that a friendship might not be good for you. It might be a place that you go. It might be a habit, a pleasure, an entertainment. It might be Netflix that is a trap for you, and it drags you down. But you need to strip it away. You need to let it go. It might seem completely harm, harmless. But the author's saying, look, you need to, if, it's, if it's stopping you run the race, throw it off. And it's quite an aggressive, look, throw it. Come on. But yes, Ailey. Like, stand up and do that so everyone can, no. But Ailey just did that. Yes. That's it, Ailey. Throw it off. Whatever causes you to stumble, let go of it. What is your mind weighed down by? Comparison, body image, pressure to succeed, worry, anxiety, relationships. The image here, it's black and white. We need to, if we are to finish this race well, we need to strip off everything that entangles, everything that is hindering our race. Because there's a cloud of witnesses saying, come on, throw it off, run the race. And we can't run well without doing this. We need to get rid of everything because all it takes is one sin, one drop of nectar, and we can find ourselves trapped if we entertain that. We need to throw it off. The next thing, Abby, 
run, okay? Here we go. And let us run with perseverance, the race marked out for us. We, we all have a specific course. Your race is different than my race. Some races, as we look at the races of faith or journeys of faith, they look like they're just straight. Other people's, it's bumpy. Other people's, it's windy roads they take. Your stories, although similar, are all different, as we heard earlier. And we don't know what's ahead, but God says we need to run the race. You can't, Ailey, you can't finish my race. And Emily, I can't finish your race. You need to run your own race. No one can run it for you. Imagine me trying to rewind in time and doing your race. It just wouldn't work. I've got a race to run, and you guys have got a race to run. The Apostle Paul, when he finished his own race, when he reached or when he was approaching his finish line, he said this, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to Abby, to Emily, and Emily and Ailey, because they have longed for his appearing. Run with perseverance. It's not a sprint. You need to prepare for the long long haul. And even when we feel like we're hitting a wall, that's when we need to get back up and keep running. We are not perfect, and this is so important. You guys know this. You're not perfect. I'm not perfect. Other than Luke, there's no one here that's perfect. (laughs) We all muck up at times, don't we? But the thing is, when we muck up, we just need to get back on our feet and keep running, keep going. Help each other, girls. That's important. You can help each other. You are already. Keep going. Keep helping each other. And when, when one of you falls, help them get back up so that they might run as well as they can. So we've, we've shaken off the stuff that weighs us down, the sin that entangles. We've, we've started to run with perseverance. What now? Well, we need something to focus on. And hold on, bear with. We're there. We need to fix our eyes. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. He he is the goal. He is Jesus is the finish line. We want to finish well. Do you know this Jesus, the Son of God, he ran the race before us. He is the author. He is the perfecter. He is the pioneer of the faith. In fact, he is the event manager. He prepared it for you. And he doesn't just launch us off in faith, but he runs with us. And he'll help us to finish. He'll bring us across that finishing line. And he's perfecting you guys as you go. When he lived on earth, he demonstrated what it was to live a perfect life of faith. And he controls the starting gun. And he'll be there with the flag at the end to say, well done, my good and faithful servant. 
So lift your eyes off distractions. Lift your eyes off sin. Fix them on Jesus because he's the perfecter. It's like me in Sainsbury's. Um, every, I've got a window of opportunity in Sainsbury's and it's the, the window of opportunity. I wasn't in, intending to share this, but it is the moment after the school kids have gone away. So you've got lunchtime hour is like from half 12. And if you get your timing right, you can get reduced chicken from the chicken counter. Because the kids, the, the school, school pupils don't, don't eat everything. Sometimes they do, but sometimes they don't. And there's this window. And I know, I'm what, like the guys, the, the guys in the office, they're like, it's your window of opportunity, Mark. And I'm like, I know, you need to go stop distracting me. And I go out, I go ahead into Sainsbury's. And it's about half past one. And I fix my eyes on the chicken counter. And... There's, there's often people walking slowly. I do not let them distract me. I walk straight past. There are toddlers lying in the middle of the aisle. I step over them because my eyes are fixed on the reduced chicken wings. And, I'm, and if any, anyone's in my way, I just push them out of the way. I, no, I don't. We need to fix our eyes on Jesus. You need to fix your eyes on Jesus. Don't be distracted by the things around you. Don't be distracted. Fix your eyes on him. And it continues. For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. You know, this is the, this is the amazing news, isn't it? The, the unbelievable news that Jesus endured the cross He died for us. Let's just let that sink in to our souls that he he faced humiliation. He faced a criminal's death. He was stripped. He was whipped. He was beaten. He, He endured the immense pain of the cross, the worst death possible. Imagine the the physical and spiritual pain. It would have been overwhelming. Oh, the shame of dying a criminal's death. Oh, the humiliation. But he scorned the shame. He said, bring it on. As they stretched out his hands and nailed his hands and feet onto a wooden cross. Why did he do it? Why did Jesus, the Son of God, the one who could have called down legions of angels from heaven. Why did he allow humanity to stretch out his hands and his feet? Why did he allow it? Why did he hold his hands and feet there while the nails were being banged in through them? He just took it. And as he was lifted up for all to see, People looking on him, he can't be the son of God if he's dying a a criminal's death. He can't be the savior of the world. God would never allow himself to be in that situation. But yet it was the only situation that would bring our, our salvation. The only situation that would save us because he was taking on our sin every drop of our nectar of sin 
was on Jesus that day as he was lifted up so that we might be washed clean through his death and through his resurrection. We might have our sins washed away and be lifted up into a new life with him. Why did he do it? He did it for us, for the joy set before him. Look at what it says, the joy set before him. I was like, that seems strange that he endured the cross for the joy. But what was that joy? Well, it was the sacrifice that was going to lead to firstly being lifted up because he knew the cross wasn't the end. He was going to be lifted up and lifted up to a place no other name will be as high as Jesus' name, will ever be as high as that name. Um, he, he saw that he would be seated with God. And, and that would be his exaltation. Everything else will bow before Jesus. Everybody on heaven and earth will bow before Jesus. He is the ultimate authority. He, he would have the, home, the joy of his homecoming. He knew the cross wasn't the end. He would be raised to eternity, to paradise with his father again. That homecoming must have been immense. He had that joy. And, and more than that, he said he would sit down. He sat down, meaning his work is done. He has saved the world. What was the joy? Well, the joy was knowing that Ailey and Abby and Emily and Emily would be with him through this. Because of this, that you guys would be united again with him. Isn't that amazing? That that was, you were in his mind. You were in his mind as he died. That was the joy that held him to the cross, knowing that one day you would be united with him and spend eternity with him in paradise. That is the joy. No wonder Jesus was willing to do that. What a wonder that he actually was. What a savior. And all the heroes in, in, in Hebrews chapter 11 point towards the greatest hero of all, Jesus Christ, our perfect example. Here we go. Four points. Throw off run, fix our eyes, and lastly, consider. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. The Christian life is hard. You know that already, don't you girls? It's not easy being a Christian. It's not easy to follow Jesus and to live for him because everything in us wants to live for ourselves. But you guys have demonstrated tonight that you want to live for him. And you'll get doubts. You'll go through hard times. But in these hard times, consider Jesus. Consider everything he's done for you. And may that be a motivation to keep running, to remember how much he loves you and everything he gave for you. Just to finish, Carpe diem, seize the day. The phrase doesn't stop there. I'm going to uh, continue with the Latin. Does anyone speak Latin? I'm, I'm safe. Quam minimum credula postero. Seize the day, trusting as little as possible in tomorrow. 
We agree with the first part as Christians. Seize the day. Make the most of today. But the second half, we actually have hope for tomorrow. We, we, we have ultimate hope that God will carry us through this life and bring us safely into the next life. We don't need to worry about tomorrow. We, yes, we make the most of today. But tomorrow, we know that there's more to life than just dying and, and pushing up daffodils. We know we've got a Father in heaven, a Savior in heaven waiting for us. So consider him. Seize the day. Make the most of it. Put your faith in God and hold on to him. Run the race. Run the race. Now, let me finish. What are the four points? Come on. Ailey, first one. Throw off. Run. Fix our eyes. And consider. Let's give these girls a round of applause. Thank you. The band are going to lead us in our final song. Let's stand together and sing our last song. Just as, as the band are setting up, let me pray. Stand and let's pray. Let's. <laughs> Just as Sandy almost fell in the baptismal tank. Let's pray. Father, Father in heaven, thank you that you love us. Thank you that you died for us in your son Jesus, that you took on yourself the punishment that we deserve for our sin. And thank you that Jesus didn't stay dead, but he rose from the, ga- the grave, and in doing so, he conquered sin and death so that we can throw off sin and death and we can fix our eyes on you and we can run the race that you've called us to and we can consider Jesus, who is our perfect example and our Savior and our Lord. And we want to worship you and we thank you. And again, we thank you for the four girls who have demonstrated their faith in you tonight. Fill them in you with your spirit and use them and strengthen them and help them to run the race that you have called them to. Amen. Amen. Let's sing our last song together. Thank you. <laughs>